Part Two, Act Four of Aladdin, or The Wonderful Lamp, by Adam Olenschlager, translated by Theodore Martin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Fourth, Sultan's Bedchamber. Salomon asleep under a canopy. Enter the court fool with a plaster on his forehead. He goes up to the bed and shakes the sultan. Ho, sultan, sultan, king of kings, what, ho, hast thou not taken upon thyself the task, the giant's task, of watching for the realm? Is it lawful, then, thus to go dozing on until high noon? For shame, your highness, shame. Soliman waking. <laughs> What would the fool? Would wake the wise man, there. Is it so late? So late, it soon will be too early. There is comfort to your hand. How came you by that plaster on your head? My liege, I come for justice. What has happened? O oh, mighty monarch, thou whose crest doth tower o'er Caucasus, yea, even o'er Ararat, which some geographers protest is higher, because twas there that Noah's ark stuck fast. Thou that dost stretch thy right hand to the Ganges, and to the Black Sea puttest forth thy left. O thou whose foot, so nobly broad and firm, toucheth the hidden treasures of the earth, thou whose eye lives on most familiar terms with stars and planets, Hear thy servant's cry, and grant him justice. Who has done thee wrong? Cursed be all piles of such capricious moods, which at their pleasure come and disappear. Are we to change the notions that, till now, we've entertained of houses, palaces? Are they immovable property no longer, but changed to simple movables? The deuce! This is directly contrary to law. Speak plainly. I am a poor fool, my liege, but not the wisest man in all the land. No, not thyself and thy most royal person could ward off such catastrophe as this. Speak, or beware my wrath. Well, speak I do. I am a bird, thou art an elephant. A poor sheep I, and thou a lordly stag. So push thy royal nightcap off thine ears, and summon all thy powers of comprehension. This morning forth I started for a walk, to exercise my limbs, and glad my soul with looking at the sunrise. The red streaks across the saffron hemisphere of sky resemble most uncommonly the blood which, for your royal health, was yesterday breathed from your highness's arm. Good God in heaven! What strange comparisons the fellow makes! This is the very quintessence of flattery. Another man would, in some bungling way, thy blood have likened to the glorious sun. But I can see no aptitude in that, and therefore to thy blood compare the sun. Say on, or I'll compare it with thine own. From natural historians thou hast learned that eyes grow blind with gazing at the sun, well, then, as I, 
delighted with the blaze of his fair glittering ball, began to muse how all things hang together in the world, I started off full swing, quite pleased to think the universe had let itself be cocked so thoroughly without remonstrance. Well, on I went running, sire, in full career, and in the grand square there was not, I knew, at least I thought so, to impede my course. But as it proved, this notion cost me dear. For lo, before I could collect my wits, bump something came, my liege, with such a bang against my pate, that, were a Greek to see me, he would suppose me Jupiter himself, with Pallas ready from my brain to start. What was it you had run against? There now, what should it be but that same madcap Pallas, which comes and goes without a by-your-leave, upon the spur of its capricious whims? Aladdin's Pallas? Oh, great heaven! My daughter, is she there too? That's what I cannot say, for it was not her, alas, I bumped. But here's a roll of parchment, good my liege, the porter gave me for your royal hands. Read, read, good fool, aloud, and spare your jests. Praise be to God alone, the land of the King of Kings, the imperial sovereignty, and the realm, as it is exalted above all others in excellence, so may God cause it to flourish for ever. I do protest, this is no jest of mine, tis here in black and white upon the scroll. Go to, tis sensibly and soundly put, tis thus all letters sent to me begin. Proceed, proceed. This is preamble merely. The meanest of your subjects, who is even as a great gnat fluttering in the air, Aladdin, Mustafa's son, announces to his most high and mighty master, great as Solomon, the shadow of the Almighty, the ruler of the merciful, the dispenser of Persia's benefits, the lord of the earth, Solomon, Sultan. Wipes the sweat from his forehead. Why, now a moraine on this chancery style. The man's all plain enough as he goes on. This must be so. My dignity requires it. It is not every man dare prate to me in such a free and easy style as thou. But on, knave, on. All this is still preamble. As the favor of the eternal God came to your faithful servant and left him alike incomprehensibly, so has it been shown to him once more. The palace before your eyes upon the old spot may serve as a sufficient evidence of this. So soon as thy slave, to whom thy grace and goodness vouchsafed thine own daughter to wife, hath returned with her from a pilgrimage to Mecca, and they have shaken from their souls the dust caught up upon the journey of life, he will cast himself at thy feet with a lightened heart, and restore the daughter to her father's arms. The star of dominion and majesty illumine thee evermore with its luster and resplendence. How? Is it true? Is this all in the letter? Now could I match this high poetic style? Oh, help me then, this instant, out of bed, and let me see and judge with my own eyes. Surely thou seest this 
plaster on my pate. Delay another second, and thou diest. And if I don't delay, my foolish life is equally at stake. What would my liege? Help me this instant to get out of bed. Come then, old gentleman, accept my help. Thou waxest frail apace. Here is thy robe. Wilt doff thy nightcap and put on the crown? Crowns are in general soft and warmly lined, and predisposed to comfortable sleep. Thy sceptre, where has it gone wandering? Fallen down, we shan't say where, beneath the bed, and drenched by all that's ammoniacal. No matter, it is gold and will not rust. Oh, gracious heavens, Gunare, my child, my child. Exit, followed by the fool. Another apartment in the palace. The fool, surrounded by retainers of the court. First courtier. Good gentle foe, and is it really true? And is the palace actually come back? You see it there. Oh, yes. No doubt I see it. But nowadays, what man can trust his eyes? Wouldst thou prefer to trust another's, hey? Four eyes see more than two. Then hie thee, friend, and of a spider question, it has eight. Another courtier running in. Sir Fool, tis something quite miraculous. All back again. What is a man to think? He is to be well-bred and hold his peace. He's not to try to comprehend the things which are not to be comprehended. He is not to fill with cries and idle prate the palace of his majesty as though it were an hospital of aged crones. He is, though, to betake himself to his room to be a man and be of hopeful cheer. How can one be a man of hopeful cheer? That's for your wisdoms, gentlemen, to solve. Exit courtiers. An old servant of the court entering. Friend, hast thou seen it? I and been rejoiced. Aladdin, friend, is fortune's favorite child, and he deserves to be so. What a world of rich, warm life is centered in that man. All a child's grace with manhood's vigor blended. Gracious and loving, as he's proud and brave. I grew so doleful after his mishap, my part became mere child's play then, for misery, storm, and disaster always lead to wit. Therefore there's none so witty as the devil. I like to jest from gamesome wantonness, yet do I find my task grow burdensome when all around are busy, gay, and strong. The sultan grows too feeble and good-natured, were he but splenetic, my quips and jibes might do the office of a shield at least against severity or hasty wrong. But he is not, and all my pointed saws are lost upon him. Once Aladdin comes, I'll not be such a fool as be his fool. Your task must always grow a bore at last. One can't always be in the mood for jest, and irksome is the fool's vocation. His especially, who's not a born buffoon, and who has pride, as thou hast, and a heart to nobler issues touched. 
Genius may stoop to play the wag and zany for a while, but soon the eagle finds the moorland dull, feels all his pinion's strength, and soars away. A true word hast thou spoken, friend, in that. Exit. Mecca, a great square, in the background the mosque, a vast concourse of pilgrims, dervishes, abdallahs, and calendars. In the foreground, Aladdin and Gulner, attired as pilgrims, with staves in their hands. What mighty multitudes are gathered here! And all, my love, are here to edify themselves, and not for gain or selfish ends. The world's pervading soul, humanity, has summoned them. Is not a blessed thing thus with commingling hearts to worship God? Oh, glorious! The multitude's full voice strengthens the heart and spirit, and man feels born on the swelling cadence of the hymn, himself a link in the eternal whole. Life needs its days of rest as well as work. The man who squanders all his days on toil is but a clod of dull and soulless clay. Oh, look, love, hath the young man standing there, neither as pilgrim nor as dervish dressed, nor as a calendar, nor Abdallah. Where, sweetest wife? Dost thou not see him, then? Yonder, his undergarment, all of white, open at the throat and with full hanging sleeves, whilst his close-fitting gabardine has none. A high cap, not a turban, crowns his head. He wears a pocket fastened at his waist, and in it paper, inkhorn, and some books, and a light kerchief gay with woven flowers from his right shoulder droops to his left arm. I see him now. Tis an Arabian poet. Now he sits down, and see, they fetch a lute. Come, love, we too shall listen to his lay. Who does not love the poet's art divine? The rocks themselves, in echoings low, declare how sweet to them is song. The rose expands her bosom to the bulbul's throbbing note. The camel foots it lightly through the vale. Soon as the fluting of the guide begins, shall man, then, man, who bears a reasoning soul, not find enjoyment in the poet's song? Then were he harder than the insensate stones. The minstrel strikes a few chords. The crowd forms a wide circle around him. When all is quiet... He sings as follows. Ye gathered tribes, ye pious pilgrims throng, For you the minstrel's lute awakes its strain, Gladly will I proclaim to you in song The legend old that fires my heart and brain, Rooting the sins up which have scathed him long, each man becomes a newborn child again. Here by the sacred stone the patriarch trod. Here by the vaulted fane the prophet reared to God. All this world's chance is vanished swift from sight. The mightiest deed grows in the distance small. E'en heaven's great message finds but brief respite. In aged books or stones memorial, That it be lost not in oblivion quite, 
Tis meet the legend oft times to recall, E'en into death to breathe a living fire. God made the bard and endowed him with the lyre. In Egypt's plains, in ages long gone by, Forth wandered Abraham of Azar's race, With him went faithful Sarah and with high, And hopeful hearts Arabia sands they trace. When distant Ararat they did espy, Soon found a patriarch and abiding place, Viewing that region, sun's bold frank upright. Now slavish hordes were soon forgotten quite. Then as his wife no more could bring him joy, For all her youth and bloom were long decayed, Went Abram and begot a lusty boy, Upon a beautiful Arabian maid. Hagar perforce was circumspect and coy, For she was Sarah's handmaid and afraid, All turned against her and in sore distress, She forced was driven into the wilderness. With anguish racked the patriarch searched the land, And lifted up his voice from east to west, at length he found her laid upon the sound, Her little boy clasped tightly to her breast, While she with glaring eye and outstretched hand, Did for the water pant that wildly pressed, Forth where the child's foot from the ground had crushed, Water where water now till then had gushed, and now that Hagar of the stream might taste, Which all of foam burst fiercely from the ground, The patriarch made it wimple through the waste Of desert sand with soft and tinkling sound. Then all her sorrows from her heart were chased, And they praised God whose mercies they had found. Then next they dipped the boy child in the well, And named him by the name of Ishmael. Ye sons of Ishmael, hence comes the power, Which changed you to these wastes fell like man, That which can nurture scarce one little flower, The horseman proudly calls his fatherland. Your founder's name is wafted hour by hour, Where'er by breeze the cedars tall are fanned, The world in all reveres the hero's name, And o'er the waste his spirit sweeps in flame. Soon after in a dream by Abram's bed, And smiling as he gazed stood Gabriel, God's grace has marked the outer build, he said, A house for him, hard by yon distant well, Which was the fond miraculously fed, For thy firstborn, the little Ishmael, 
there boldly rear a high and vaulted fane, and with the blood of bulls its altars stain. Down on his knees fell Abraham army. How, how shall I, he cried, a temple rear, where restless sands whirl everlastingly, where stone is none, nor any rock is near. By faith that temple builded up shall be, said Gabriel, and he touched the patriarch's ear. With his bright lily stem thy faith and grand, and based on rock that temple firm shall stand. And straight from Ararat's far peak where you, by Allah's dread command, have gone to pray, at dawn as cleft by bolts of thunder through, the snow-white marble blocks were rent away, and crashing down into the vale they flew. No longer now was doubting or dismay, the patriarch took the rifted marble fine, and there to Allah reared the sacred shrine. Now one huge stone was thrown unheeded by, T'was fine but black, whilst all the rest were white. Ah, woe is me, he cried, that only I Am deemed unworthy to show Allah's might. The God of heaven took pity on its cry, And gave command to Abraham who at night did with his feet stamp on the stone I wish, the mark which pilgrims still devoutly kiss. And oh, to think in what a wondrous way God links on earth what most he makes his own, where Ishmael was born on that far day, the prophet too was born as well is known. That ancient shrine fast crumbling to decay, Forlorn and heeded, all with weeds o'ergrown, Is reared anew, and never more to wane, For tis embedded in the prophet's fane. Oh, yet once more into that temple wend, With branching palms and anthems chanted high, then Gabriel, thou wilt there from heaven descend, Robed in the radiance of the morning sky. If we in brotherly communion blend, Our love to God, the Lord, to testify, O sons of Ishmael, then not forget, There is but one God, his prophet Mahomet. He rises and goes into the mosque. The crowd repeat with a loud voice the concluding stanza of his chant and follow him. Another place in Mecca. Hinbad and Fatima, an aged woman in a pilgrim's garb. Allah be with thee. And with thee, good pilgrim. Good is a title which I may not claim, thou holy woman in thy company. Allah is holy and the prophet holy. I am a frail and sinful woman, friend. I know well what thou art. 
The fame of saints spreads like the liberal sunshine wide and far, and lures the sons of darkness forth to warm their blood's thick current in the radiant glow. Whence comest thou? I am from Africa, yet though between us lay the streams of Nile, the Red Sea, and Arabia's desert sands, the glory of thy name hath reached my ears. I must attribute this to chance alone. Thy home's in Persia, is it not? It is, in the great forest hard by Ispahan, where peasants kind have built a hut for me. And daily to thy hermitage repair, to reap instruction, comfort, wisdom, strength from thy discourse. I have been told, besides, the prophet hath endowed thee with the power to heal the sick, by merely with thy hand touching the head of such as need thy aid. The powers of nature, friend, are fathomless, still more the goodness of the Eternal Father. A poor, weak woman I, yet I fear God, to do his pleasure is my life's sole aim. When men for years has rendered up himself to drift where'er his yeasty passions flow, with him earth's baser things grow paramount, the head which should erect itself to heaven, Drops, weighted down by sin, its craven front. But if, alarmed by consciousness' warning voice, his heart, repentant, turns to virtue back, then, then, indeed, a loving human hand can smooth away the wrinkles from his brow, and by its pressure give his spirit ease. It's true that Prince Aladdin and his bride are amongst the pilgrims here in Mecca now? He and his bride were here but yesterday, but left this morning with the caravan. Hinbad with visible disquietude. What? Is he gone? Why should this trouble you? I am from Africa, as thou hast heard. I wish to speak with him. We had, besides, much urgent business to transact. I'm a merchant, and he owes me certain monies. Now he's gone back again, and tis, you know, a weary way from Persia to Mecca. My friend, thou rather shouldst give Allah thanks, that things have so fallen out. The prophet city is destined only as a rendezvous for pious pilgrims. Tis no Khan, no Mart. Rebuke well merited. Forgive me, pray. Aye, thus it is, the vanities of the world hold us despite our will within their thrall. I thank thee. Thou hast made me see my sin. I will beguile the time with holy thoughts, and with the earliest caravan depart for Persia. Perhaps we go together? No, friend, I go not with the caravan. I make the journey tardily on foot. It is a fancy that I have. I've gone the road repeatedly. It does me good. Somehow I feel this journey is my last. Depart thou with the caravan in peace. I will set out tomorrow with the dawn. But if, when thou to Ispahan shalt come, thou carest to visit me in my poor cot, thou'lt find me there beneath my forest shades, and of my milk and fruits thou shalt partake. I thank thee. May all happiness attend thee. The pilgrimage to God is always happy. They part. Arabian desert, night, nothing but sand and sky, the moon in mid-heaven. Caravan passes slowly across, singing, Through the noontide glare, along the desert sand, home we travel cheerily to our fatherland, bearing back a treasure priceless, peace of heart, Peace and hope that never from our eyes shall part. Allah, guide thy faithful pilgrims as they go. Give our camels vigor, crystal fountains show. Sweetly falls the dew, the sultry day is fled. Cool is now the ground beneath our camel's tread. 
Everywhere is sand and sky, O lovely night. On us from afar the crescent moon smiles bright. With what wondrous radiance through the cooling dew beams the prophet's symbol from the welkin blue. Onward then, push on, with lusty hearts and gay. To our home, Muhammad's moon shall light our way. Passes on. A wild forest in Persia, night. In the foreground, a heap of stones. In the background, Fatima's cottage. Hinbad. Out on this plaguy hut, where can it be? Perhaps I may have passed it? Who can tell? How is a man to know a nest of twigs covered with moss from other underwood? I've gone ranging through nigh half the wood, and now the night has overtaken me. This must be the place, by all that I have heard. How tired I am. Huh, there's a heap of stones. I'll rest me there. Sits down. The lamp. Have it I must. This aged beldam has a great renown. Golnair has long been eager for her friendship. I will attach me to the pious crone, become her pupil, yea, her famulus, and so, by feigning piety, ensure an entrance to the wondrous palace. Thus I soon shall gain the lamp, and so avenge my brother's death. That's just and equitable. How come these stones now to be lying here? They look as if set up with some intent. There's one large block right in the center there, and, as I live, words graven upon it too. Let me peruse the verses. What a plague yon bank of clouds should lie athwart the moon. The moon breaks out, and the owls hoot far off in the wood, and he reads. Noreddin's corpse lies rotting here, in murder closed his dark career. Through guilty deeds he thought to climb, behold the end of all his crime. Starts back in terror, and stands gazing fixedly at the heap of stones. Was I then sitting on my brother's grave? His grave? And should I not avenge his death? This comes to wet my purpose, not to warn. Looks round and suddenly descries Fatima's cottage. There is the cottage, surely. Close at hand. The wizard veil is lifted from mine eyes. I'll get me in. This aged crone shall aid me. Ay, though at forfeit of her life she shall. Is about to enter. Suddenly the figure of a man, ashly pale in a blood-red dress, appears before the door and bars his entrance. Ha! <laughs> Who art thou? Away! 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 Who art thou darest to bar my passage thus? Who art thou? Answer me! Thy brother's spirit. Noreddin thou? His spirit. My bones lie there. Points to the heap of stones. How comest thou in this garb of fiery red? Spirit sighs. Alas! Alas! What means that sigh, and why shinest thou like lurid flame against the dark? Oh, oh. Answer me. Oh, oh. Answer, I say. The red which burneth here, so ghastly, 
is... Well, what is it? Is the fire of hell. Vanishes. Hindbad sinks upon the heap of stones in a swoon. When he recovers, he looks round him and descries an old venerable man by his side, in a black gabardine, smoking a short tobacco pipe which gives out great puffs of smoke. Hinbag springs up. <laughs> Here again. And black as cinders now? Burnt out already, eh? The old man with a soft, gracious voice. My worthy friend, what may all this fantastic foolery mean? I live hard by, and as I passed along, I heard you talking to yourself aloud in a strange fashion of a lamp you spoke that could accomplish wonders which had been stolen from you and you wanted to regain. You thought you saw a spirit and fell down upon the heap of stones there in a swoon. Are you come off a journey? Yes, I am. It very often happens at such times. One's wits get out of order. But take heart. You don't look weakly. Quite the contrary. This is a passing spasm, no more. And you bear an undaunted spirit, all be bound. There you are right. I very rarely dream. I'm no way superstitious, see no spirits at other times. But now, he stood there, there. The old man smiling. Twas only in your head he stood, good sir. Had anything been standing there, of course I must have seen it also as I passed. Then you saw nothing? Nothing but yourself, a wandering pilgrim talking to the trees. By heaven! I, too, believe it was a dream. The old man uneasily. You should not swear. Don't name that name to me. I cannot bear it. For the rest, be calm. That you should wish to have your lamp again appears but fair. Tis your inheritance. I've heard all sorts of tales about that lamp and how Aladdin oft misuses it. We suffer from it all, we Persians here, and I should be quite overjoyed could you but clip that upstart's wings. Aye, aye, but how? That is the question. For that plan of yours, I heard you mention it some minutes since, will never do. She's a long-headed woman, and, trust me, would discover at a glance what you are after. Hide it how you might. No, no, that scheme is much too shallow. Much. Were you in my place now, what would you do? Brush the old woman fairly from my path. Be Fatima myself. But how? I know the princess wishes to converse with her, but she has never seen her. Neither have the people very plainly 
for she is always enveloped in a close, thick veil. If I were in your place, I'd very soon effect an entrance to the palace. How? Your face and figure, sir, are plastic. You can counterfeit most rarely, I am sure. And if I can? Why then, good sir, you must enact the part of Fatima. And she? Oh, she is old and surfeited with life. I hope, my excellent friend, tobacco smoke is not unpleasant, very, to you, eh? I am a sturdy smoker. Smoke away. The old man smokes vehemently and puffs fire from the pipe every now and then. Well, she is old and looking on for death, but death comes tardily with aches and pains. It would be doing her a kindness quite, should you forestall her pains and gratify the wish at once, which she has cherished long. You'd have me murder the old lady, then? Who talks of murder? Sir, I am no friend to strong expressions of that nature. No. To her long yearning, you would put an end, and that's the whole affair. No more at all. Go to. What's to be done? Do, and at once. There the old woman sleeps. Employ your dagger. Put on her dress and bury her anon. Then, when the people come tomorrow morning, you must preach to them. You are Fatima, and will, as Fatima, presently be summoned before the princess. Then you can regain the lamp with ease. Farewell. We meet again. Retires into the wood. Hinbad gazes after him for a considerable time, then speaks. That was the devil himself, or I'm deceived. Leans against a tree and presses his hands upon his head. I drank somewhat too freely at the con, and therein lies the secret. Devils and ghosts are the mere creatures of hot blood and wine. But all that fell from that old fellow's lips are the suggestions of my better brain. I'll be no mummer, I. Here is the hut, the crazed door half off its hinges. Hist, is she asleep? She sings. I'll pause and hear. The moon shines bright aloft o'er wood and dingle, the birds in cadence soft their warblings mingle, the breezes from the hill come sighing, sighing, and to their voice the rill sends sweet replying. But one flower in the wold droops wan and sickly, death at its heart is cold, twill perish quickly. But yonder chaplets twine for ever vernal, and in God's presence shine through springs eternal. O moonlight pale, thy rays, soon softly creeping, shall paint my paler face in death transleeping. Smile then on death, that he may gently take me, and where no sorrows be, ere morn awake me. Droop on its stem the flower, come sweetly stealing, angel of death and shower, soft dews of healing. O come, beneath thy blight my soul shall quail not, yonder is endless light and joys that fail not. She sleeps. Tis well. She says herself, good soul, she will not quail before the blight of death. 
She longs for it. Good. She shall have her wish. Enters the cottage. Interior of the cottage. Fatima asleep on the couch. Hinbad enters. I'm glad the moonshine lights the hut so well. There she lies sleeping on her bed of leaves, scantily mantled by her old worn cloak. Her thin white hands clasped clothes as though she prayed. It is unlucky that her clothes are on. I must awake her not to stain her dress with blood, for I must use it afterwards. Presents his dagger to her breast. Come, Fatima, awake. Oh, heaven, who's there? Are you a robber? Say, what do you want in my poor cottage? There is nothing here. Is worth your taking nothing. Oh, have pity upon an aged woman. Blow not out the flame, which soon must of itself expire. Rise up. Oh, Allah, wherefore do you come at dead midnight with this assassin's knife that gleams as wild and wrathful as your eyes? Rise up and do not fear. Rise up, I say. Take off your dress. Be quick and give it me. Give me your robe, your veil, and now your crutch. And there's my cloak instead, which you can keep until I give you back your clothes again. Only be quick and do not waste the time with questions. Oh, sir, you are surely crazed. What would you? You are feverish. Come sit down. Travel has raised a tumult in your blood. Your speech is wild. I'll tend you, and my care shall bring health back to you and calm your brain. There's bread and fruit in yonder basket. Wait, and I will fetch you water from the spring. I am not weary. Neither have I lost my senses. Quick, obey me instantly. Off with your clothes. There is my mantle. Quick, do what I bid you, or into your heart I plunge my dagger. Oh, eternal God, I fear not death, but to be wakened up from sleep, to be dispatched so quickly, have mercy on me. Come, your clothes, I say, by Allah's mercy, by my hopes of grace, I will not harm you. Fatima gives him her clothes. Take them, there they are. Hindbad hands her a little box. Now, lay this color here upon my face. T'will make the skin look brown and wrinkled like your own. My hands tremble for fear. They, there are wrinkles enough already on your brow. Now, by thy God, did I not swear to thee... Fatima dyes his face. Tis done. You're sure you've done it thoroughly? Indeed, indeed I have. Say, is it true that you have ne'er been with Aladdin's wife, the princess? Yes, but she has often wished that I should wait upon her gentle soul. I'll pay that visit for you. Stabs her. Get ye hence unto your god. You've lived quite long enough. Even while he lives, the godless man is dead. But he lives after death, who fears his god. Dies. Gone with antitheses upon her lips. Can't to the last. Now I must stow this corpse deep in the earth. The morning after next I'll wait upon the princess, and she shall persuade her husband a request to urge shall so incense the spirit of the lamp that he is like to crush him on the spot. Your spirits have a weak side of their own, like other people. They can show their teeth. Then I will straight possess me of the lamp. But I must preach tomorrow, well be thought, to make the people think I'm Fatima. Moorland, night, moonshine, two elves. Come hither, see what I have found beneath the brushwood, near the brook, upon the heath. A corpse, now out on thee. 
foul fingered white. Dost thou not know it, then? O woeful sight! What do I see? O bloody deed of shame! They've murdered our true friend, the aged dame, who dwelt there in the forest. And O knights, with lute and song, regaled us elvish sprites, when, in the cool and watery moonshine, we, our rondos, danced about the alder tree. She was so good, through all the country round, she was for worth and gentle heart renowned. Though we, poor tiny elves, are held in scorn by well-nigh all that are of women born, she in the ground stuck crosswise sprigs of wood, with cobwebs twined, and thereon laid us food, and sat and smiled on us as we drew nigh, and sipped at ease the dainty fermenty. Come, let us call our sisters from the hill. None will disturb us, for tis midnight still. To help us make a grave, both soft and deep, where she that loved us well, in peace may sleep. Come hither, hither, elves. As quick as thought, behold them. They, they are, are here. here. What's Lots to be wrought? You see this aged dame? O oh, direful pass! The holy Fatima? Dead? Alas, alas! Go, make for her a grave by yonder spring, and thither we the while the corpse shall bring. We'll follow. We shall go before and sing. We at her side shall walk with drooping wing. And from the brook the lily we shall bring, which upward straight to heaven its head doth fling, while blossoms manifold its stem doth bear. These shall be emblems of her silvery hair, and of her cheeks with sorrow wan and thin, and of her soul serene and pure from sin. We must go round, we that the bearers are, lest the magician's ghost our task should mar. For he lies yonder, shattered flesh and bone, among the trees, beneath the pile of stone. Now, now we, we shall sing, sing. Pace, pace tenderly along. Nightingale in a tree overhead. Ye elves, may I too mingle with your song? Sing, sing on, sweet bird, thy note is clear as fire. Chief chorister be thou, and we the choir. Dirge of the Elves The nightingale's note is heard in the pauses of the song, and the faint tinkle of a bell at a distance. How swift the passing moments fly! Who can his final hour foretell? But his hand governs all, who high above all time and change doth dwell. Life comes, Life passes like a dream, worth only lives o'er all supreme. Man's life is longer than the flowers, ours longer than the sons of clay. Yet that dear race who nurtured ours to heavenly bliss hath passed away. The Hamadryads, who of yore us tiny folk of Elfland bore, we too shall die, and creatures new shall sport and gamble in the glade, and they, our children, shall be due with tears the graves where we are laid.
And we, small fairies now, shall soon be only shadows neath the moon. Yet has a merry life been ours, blameless we've ranged the woodlands green. No blood cleaves to our hands, and flowers alone declare where we have been. And when we perish like the rest, our sleep shall be serene and blessed. She too shall sleep a blessed sleep. Her life was pure of all offense. The avenging hand of God shall sweep him down, whose dagger hurled her hence. But see, the east is streaked with red. Farewell, farewell, the night is fled. End of Part 2, Act 4